And the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Guys, obviously Jeff Lloyd here, host of Locked On Browns. Guys, I cannot thank you enough for all the sports that have been coming this way. Uh, the numbers keep going higher and higher. And look, guys, like I told you, as this product, as this team gets better, I'm going to continuously put out a better effort for you guys and put out the effort that this podcast deserves, that you listeners deserve. Uh, one favor I'll always keep asking, guys, iTunes, the ratings and reviews. It's important. It brings more exposure to the show. And so please, guys, if you can keep up with that, you've been fantastic with it, please keep it up. Guys, uh, if your friend's not listening, grab his phone when he's not looking. Go ahead, subscribe him, and then he can thank you later. Uh, joining me here this evening, we're trying to do this, trying to keep it a weekly thing, but I'm busy. He's crazy busy. Whether it's between the OBR, whether it's between the uh, you know the uh, Browns film you know breakdown podcast and all the work Jake does with the Twitter account with the Browns film uh, breakdown, he does a fantastic job. And I do want to congratulate him here because uh, within a year here, a guy like Jake Burns to get picked up and have a outlet like Cleveland.com looking for his work. And this is one thing we said: some of these media outlets are going to have to step up their game here and add and do new things like film breakdown. Cleveland.com went out and bagged themselves a winner. Jake, I am so glad, dude. It's always a blast. And like I said, look, the uh, the draft class of 17, media-wise, Cleveland-wise, we're doing good, Jake. We're doing good. Buddy, far too kind. Yeah, a, uh, it's been a nice swing of about six months for me writing-wise. Some some great outlets, as you mentioned, the OBR and, and now Cleveland.com. And then I launched the Browns Film Breakdown. You know, it's a... It's a hungry fan base of good people that care about a good organization. And like you said, Jeff, winning brings us all together. And it's good for business for, for the fans. It's good for business for us because people want to see how we're winning. And, yeah, man, it's good. It's It's been a fun year for me. Great outlets, good conversations with guys like yourself and, and Stephen Thomas and the guys and friendships we've formed. So nothing but good things to say, man. I appreciate you having me on as usual. Great podcast. And, uh, let's, let's, let's talk some winning football, my friend. Yeah. And, th- and that's the other thing. It's just the culture it's created. And what also is coming here is there's not, there's a lot of people coming this way who are just coming here because they, they aren't Browns fans at heart. They're looking this way because it's become a, look, they saw some hard knocks. They saw the preseason games all nationally televised and now they're seeing it. And I saw Twitter Sunday. You know, Jake, I know you were at the stadium, but a lot of guys, hey, this game is over. Can you put on the Browns game? And just seeing this from people who had no affiliation or no fandom towards the Browns, but they wanted to see it. I, I mean, it's just like, wow, all right, everybody's getting it. Everybody's kind of seeing what we're seeing. But before we dig into it, uh, Jake, you had the opportunity to be in the building Sunday. Obviously, Baker Mayfield's first home start. So smart on your part to say, you know, this may be one i got to get into. Uh what was it? What was it like live? What was the atmosphere like? Electric, man. I think that people every week I see, and this is just something I see that's kind of funny. It's of nobody's fault, but like a media member will put out a picture from the press box of, well, here we are at kickoff, and the stadium looks empty. Well, if you're putting out that picture, you don't know how Cleveland operates because they come in late because that Muni lot and the lots out and around the stadium are just full of some of the craziest people I've ever seen, and they waltz in there stumbling around and fill up the stadium later than, than kickoff. So it was it was electric, man. It was alive. I know Steven Brown's Daily Mock Draft, our good friend, was down in the dog pound, finally got to meet him, which was awesome. He flew in from California. And he said it was just like the days in the 80s and 90s. It felt very much like it. 
there have been times in the past 10 years I've been to that stadium and it has felt like a hollow shell of of just empty and of the, the factory of sadness label is real. But I'm telling you, man, there's something about this quarterback. There's something about the way he has changed the culture of this team, even overcoming some of its self i mean this the, some of the team's deficiencies that are obviously there and we all see i'm not even going to talk about him because we know he has a way of elevating people man he is he is a culture changer much like johnny was when johnny was drafted but the the, the product on the field for johnny did not match up to the product of what he thought everyone thought he was the difference with baker is 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 me and my good buddy Trevor Harris, uh, who's a who came on with me at the YouTube podcast I do, quarterback up for the Ottawa Red Blacks um, in the CFL, mentioned to me, and I just think it's a great phrase. You know, Trevor's a Bengals fan, but we talked about Baker leading into the draft and how we love him, and was, we had these conversations October, November, but he just calls the guy a needle mover, and that's what he is. He moves the needle for the franchise. He moves the needle for the fan base, and that place was electric, man, and it had no doubt that it was going to – work out in our favor and I couldn't tell you Jeff the last time man I was at that stadium and there was a there was a sort of calm that hey our quarterback is good enough to drive us down the field to win the game and he did it twice um, they missed the game winner and they mismanaged a little bit of the clock if Jarvis would have stepped out in regulation but um, yeah I mean dude it's 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 NFL football is back in Cleveland in a sense of the NFL football thing has always been, to me, something that all these other people get to enjoy, and it must be really cool. Like <laughs> even breaking down last year's 0-16 tape, and you know, the NFL is just this thing that we care about, we love it, but our team hasn't been even remotely contending in a in a sense that it was ever real for us. And it's sort of starting to. I'm not trying to put the cart in front of the horse. It's only five weeks in, but it feels sort of real, and that's cool to be invested and involved and care about it, and like. Those, those late film reviews last year, man, those things drug on. But this year I'm like, I got to wake up Monday and get to work by 7 a.m. so I can get two hours of film work in before I go, you know, do my actual job that pays the bills and all that. You know, it's it's cool. It's just – it's really cool. The NFL feels real for Cleveland again. And this team might end up getting six wins, seven wins, whatever. That's fine. But it feels different. You know what I mean, Jeff? Uh, I couldn't I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, like I said, when you know part of the reason why, you know, David Locke said, you know, I think you're going to be good for this gig is – they need someone fresh. They need someone who's not been soured by, you know, 18 years of, you know, frustration with this franchise. So, you know, I came in and I was ultra positive. And I still remember the tweet I sent out on Christmas Eve. Here it is, Christmas Eve. I'm a little bit in the bag and I'm pissed off at the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, you and all the other guys and all the listeners, he's in. He's our guy. And it was just, you know, you get tired of it. And, and what you, you just said. It brings me back to the movie uh, Jimmy Fallon Fever Pitch with the Boston Red Sox movie where he was talking about you know he was you know he was coaching the the grade school team and you know, the one kid says to him he's like well you've loved this team forever you got this great girl will they ever love you back and with you know by loving you back is are you going to win are are you going to finally change the culture and that's what it feels like and look you know and you don't want to shortchange you know the other parts here Miles Garrett Larry Ogunjobi Denzel Ward. But you've got to have that dude in the huddle. And they've got that dude. And everybody respects him. And everybody feeds off of him. And it's just become so, so damn fun and so refreshing. And first thing I want to get to here is what we're going to... Um, it's tough that Rashard Higgins is going to be out for a little bit of a while. Because, 
you know, obviously there's a pecking order. I, I, pecking order. I do believe that Jarvis Landry is this team's number one receiver currently. He is their guy. But it seemed like Baker and Rashard Higgins kind of had like you know, maybe an unspoken language if you wanted to use in that term. You know, where Baker, when it was a key spot, Higgins was going to be the guy to look for, and Higgins kind of feeds and like knows if I do exactly what I'm supposed to do, and if I'm in the right spot, that ball is going to be there. And we'll go first to the corner route, which was just a beautiful ball. And just these guys have a nice, nice working relationship together. Great point, Jeff. Great point, man. It, it, it sort of happens innately. As you know, I know most people who care about Baker Mayfield know he is not a target favorite guy. He will get the ball to whoever is Daniel Fells for 45 for his first touchdown pass. Yeah, yeah. That That's all the evidence you ever need, my friend. But, yeah, he, he's going to spread it. But there are times when – you know, when when things start to get tense, it's third and sixteen. I, I got my guy here on this corner route, and I just really want to find a way to get him the rock. So I'm going to do whatever I can because I know that my guy is going to bring it in, and that happens to quarterbacks, whether it's real or whether for some guys such as Baker, who are very cerebral, it happens subconsciously. It just it happens that way sometimes. Now I broke that down for Cleveland.com, kind of the connection between the two on the smash concept and the Mills concept. And it just kind of worked out well for him that the read was right and Higgins happened to be the guy coming open. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was no secret that during camp and preseason that that was the connection that everybody who was covering the team beat writers daily. You know, Baker Mayfield to Richard Higgins was like this budding connection. And I had kind of mentioned in that article that this was supposed to be sort of a 2019 connection. But all of a sudden you lose uh, Josh Gordon by virtue of trading him and then you lose – uh, Tyrod Taylor by virtue of playing poorly and those guys are thrust into the first quarter of season 2018 so it happened quicker than maybe we thought um, or at least some of us thought and it, it didn't matter man they, they didn't skip a beat they're playing well together I think that they had combined for 12 catches in seven quarters so yeah just a great connection you hope you hope it's not bad I watched the video where he left it was on the catch that Najoku made on a third and long and kind of ran up the right side and almost got the first down it looks like Higgins was out in front of him blocking and got and it kind of, kind of got clipped from behind. It didn't look like he got torqued or anything. And I know I hurt my MCL my senior year of college, sprained it pretty bad. It was like a grade two, but it was a lineman. A left tackle fell into my front plant knee when I was throwing, so it torqued it. But I didn't see any torquing, so maybe it's not bad because I'm hoping it's not bad because as a wide receiver, you know, Jeff, you play wide receiver, yeah. man. There's constant cutting. It's in and out of cut. So I hope he's good. I want him to come back and be effective because that guy's taking the right kind of strides that he's going to be a pretty good football player. And Baker elevates his game, and I think he elevates Baker's game a little bit. And he was that sort of pseudo wide receiver security blanket. So, uh, yeah, like you said, hopefully he comes back okay because that's a partnership that is going to be pretty effective. And I think we run into the bye week before, like, I think, what are we, three weeks away from the bye week? So it might time up okay that he's back for the second half of the year. Yeah, um, some people I talk to, some of the uh, the sports docs that are out there now who do this, uh, they describe it similar to Evan Ingram. Look, Evan Ingram may play Thursday, which will have been about a 16- to 17-day layoff. That is your bright spot, guys. And look, we don't need to push this. Um, look, it, it, and that's the joy with Baker. If you're open and you're wearing an eligible number, you're going to get the rock. So look, some of these other guys, you know, every, everyone receiver-wise has to step up their game because Baker, the drop's are hurting what he can do. So everyone's got to play a little faster. they got to play a little smarter. But look, there's opportunities here. And I, I want to see all these young guys. And look, Antonio Callaway, there was a little bit less last week for him. Look, maybe Damian Ratley gets a shot here this week. Look, everybody will, will sign this guy, sign that guy. Guys, they still have to learn a playbook. 
Um, so <laughs> signing somebody, by the time they're up to speed on the playbook, we could see Rashard Higgins back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and some of us are still realists, Jake, right? Like, we're not expecting, you know, <laughs> playoffs. Let's not even talk about that yet. Just go in, week out, week in, week out, play some winning football. I do want to get to Higgins' touchdown catch. Um, this was something, uh, This they tried this play twice, and I remember week three against the Eagles, where it was three receivers on the right side, and it was the, you know, the, the quick slant, and then it was a little bit of a deeper slant, and then it was the deep post, and they tried it a couple of times. But, man, it was just a thing of beauty, um, maybe because it was Baker Mayfield, but the play was just gorgeous. Uh, you know, obviously the, the safety bit on the, you know, the second guy running the in, and Rashard, I mean, had, had the route won basically from jump but just beautiful all around. And I know you put up a great, you know, uh, sequence of it with the end zone. It was just, I mean, candy from a baby. Yeah, man, that plays money. I, I love, well, what you'll notice is the NFL is going to so many, and this is around the league, bunch formations. Mm-hmm. I love, I love it because it gives wide receivers a two way go. You know, if you put your guy outside your Z or your X, your traditional split wide, um, split in and flankers, they, they, if you line them out there splitting the hash in the sideline or even slightly hugging the hash or hugging the numbers, the outside numbers, you're really only giving them a one-way go. Now, that spacing can be beneficial, but in the NFL, you know, spacing is different because it's it's athletes that are just kind of the most ridiculous in the world in terms of quick-twitch athletes. The, NFL, the NBA probably has better all-around athletes skill-wise, but quick twitch there's nothing like the nfl so spacing sometimes doesn't matter all too much but what does matter is deception and being able to put guys in conflict in split second decisions so when you watch that play the beauty is they have they have jarvis and they have njoku and the in uh, number two and number three um that's sort of numbered from outside in number one is the farthest guy out number two is second third is closest to the line so they, they sort of take both of those two, Jarvis and Njoku, they sort of just off the snap switch them. They exchange vertical so that that means Njoku's starting inside kind of working outside and then vice versa, and you'll see it. Then they both sort of run 10-yard dig routes, which are just 10-yard in routes. And, and what it does is they take number one, which is Higgins, and they stem him outside. So when I'm a safety and I see number one, who is my farthest guy to my left, if I'm looking from the defense's perspective – he stems outside. I kind of forget about him in quarters coverage. You know what I mean? Like he's out there. He's on corners. The, my cornerback to my left, he's got him in his deep quarter, deep quarters coverage. I'm going to sort of forget about him. Key in on number two who's coming vertical. He sees two vertical. He sees him drive on his dig route. I got to play that dig route off the break. Comes up to play it. And at that point, you leave a big void in cover four in your quarter section of the zone because what Higgins does is he stems for three yards, vertical hard, okay? And at that point, at the top of his vertical stem, he's got a two-way go that a corner has to respect because the corner's not giving up his outside because that's my area, man. That's my quarter coverage. But I can give up inside because inside's going to allow me to have a little bit of help from my safety. And at that point, oh, shit, sorry. Crap. Oh, crap. My safety's bit up on the dig, and that's why that plays money. You're putting that safety in conflict. He bites on the dig, throw the post over top. He bites on the – he sits back and plays the uh, post over top. I got my dig right there open, and he could have hit either of them. That play was made famous by Spurrier in the 90s, man. They used to run that sucker yep. against your Seminoles nonstop. Yep, and one of the things that I love about that play is once he hit it a couple of times, though – and, and one of my favorite routes as a wide receiver was was the bar out, whereas you run it hard like a slant. 
and you drop that outside foot and you take yourself on a 90 degree angle to the sideline. So you can do, once you hit that once or twice, or you run it once or twice, now you can take any one of the three and go ahead and run that. And, you know, whether it's the inside guy where he's running it, you know, seven to eight yards, and, you know, the next guy's running it, you know, eight to 12, or, or the, you know, so the deep one still runs that post, but either one of those inside guys plants that right foot, gets on outside. There's just so much you can do with it, and it's something that a Baker, who is so quick with his reading and reacting to coverage, there's a lot of fun here. And, and you know, I know people get upset. Well, they're not doing this. They're not doing that. They just don't want to put so much on Baker's plate right now, which I understand. I think he's capable of it. Maybe part of the question is is whether everybody he's playing with is capable of it. So, But, look, there's going to be so much more that goes on here, guys, and it's going to be so much fun to watch. Uh, guys, look, ever since I've taken over the show, people want to ask me a lot of questions. They want to ask me a lot of advice. They want to ask me a lot of football advice, fantasy. They want to ask betting advice usually, guys, is the way it works out. The truth is, is I cannot. I can only give you what I think. But what I think, if you want to go ahead and wager with it, what I'm going to recommend is who you bet with is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why I'm going to tell you to go ahead and use my bookie. Um, they will be your best bet this season. That is what I can guarantee you. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me. I don't bet much, guys. I always tell you this, but if I do bet, I will use my bookie. Um, yeah, the best thing about my bookie, it's simple, guys. You win, they pay. They have uh, in-game, live betting, over/under on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Uh, my bookie right now, it's hot, it's trending. Everybody's into it. They are slammed with new customers, so they are going to not only offer you one advantage, they're going to offer you two. First one, create your pa- your account after 7 p.m. Eastern. They will give you a free $25 just for doing so. Also. Always with mybookie.com. Your initial deposit, they will match 100%. So do it after 7 p.m. Eastern. So if it's $50, they're going to give you 50. That's 100. They're going to give you 25. Guys, do the math. It's simple. It's free money. And if you want to gamble, if biggest thing with gambling is house money. They are literally giving you house money. So go ahead and take advantage of it. New promo code with this one with mybookie. It is capital L locked, capital O on 25, locked on 25. Guys, go ahead, mybookie.com, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com, mybookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Now, Jake, one other play I want to go to offensively, um, Derek Willies. Oh, my good God, Derek Willies. And first things first, thank you. Thank you a million times over. And But this also gets to, like I mentioned earlier with, da- with Darren Fells, Baker Mayfield doesn't care who you are. If you are in the spot and you are open, the ball's coming your way. Step up, son. Make a play. And oh my lord, Mr. Willies with a catch and run. Just, I mean, great job from a young guy. And, you know, this is what keeps the fire burning in these young guys is if I get a shot, Baker's going to get me the ball. What am I going to do with it? So let's let's see what we got here and keep this core of young, phenomenal young talent, 25 and under, trying to work together. And Mr. Willies, fantastic job. Yeah, the next man up theory is very real in football, as you know, Jeff, and and that was as good as it gets. You know, I think I think Willies had some respect from people in camp. Obviously, came out of camp. I don't know if he did. He make the Pittsburgh roster. I don't think he did. I think he came on late, right? Or maybe he did make the opening roster. I can't remember no, if he yes. came. Up. Nope, he made original. Yes. Yeah, good, good deal. So yeah, he's he's got some legs. Beat out Jamari Scott. Yep, yep. He's got some wheels. 
And I liked Damari Scott for a good portion of preseason, but but I, I, I certainly think that the, the long-term effect or, or what Willie's could be is far outweighs anything that, that Damari could be because he can run, he's lanky, he, he's got – Sort of a smoothness to his game too, which is good to see. I don't, I don't know if it ends up being anything long term, but man, in a, in a big moment, he had to catch a ten yard out that was a first down late in the game too. Not yep. just that ball that he ended up catching and running. I mean, overall it was three for sixty one, so that's a solid effort. Heck yeah, it is, man. And that catch in the middle of the field on that little dig route he ran out of that another trips bunch set was just fantastic. It was a great catch. He beat. He kind of. It was almost an option route per se, where he could he could choose which side he wanted to take off to after he hit the top of his stem, and you know Baker put it put it right on him, and and the rest is history as they say. But that next man up theory and and rising to the moment that's fun to see because we we don't always see that from Browns players. It's more of a this is too much pressure me type of thing. So yeah, as far as is is. Is he going to be an answer in the future? I don't know. You mentioned it earlier about bringing somebody else in. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But I think he's the type of guy that you want to give a couple of games to to see if leaning toward that in-house perspective. There's plenty to like about him. I think he's a good project long-term. He could be the type of guy that is the frame of an X receiver that you can rotate in and out because you need to be able to rotate wide receivers. It can't be, well, we have three receivers that play out. Those guys are running, man. They're running all game. You talk about wanting Antonio Callaway to have less a burden. So, um, you know, I, I I think he's he deserves a shot, man. He deserves to play more with Richard on the bench. And and, and that's the thing here. I mean, there's plenty in house. So I mean, you know, I you know what I, what are you really gonna find week five in the NFL? Um, you know, I kind of kidded. Well, maybe there's one guy who might know the offense, but they'd never do it. So, <laughs> so Corey Coleman's not coming back. But uh, uh, next one I do want to get to. Uh, look, Denzel Ward. Um, however you want to put it together, if you want to give the interception credit for he saved a field goal or he did save a touchdown, um, whether it's six points, nine points, look, Denzel Ward, um, you know, and Jake, you know, I was a little nervous with a, you know, cornerback selection at four overall because, you know, it's, it, it, are you going to get the return? We've gotten the return in spades and yeah, there's missed tackles, and that's going to happen when, like you said, you're trying to chase the elite of the elite athletes down. But this guy is really, really stepping up. And, I mean, as integral as Baker has been coming here, I think Denzel Ward with the Ohio State background coming here, and, you know, now you've got your guy up, you've got your guys up front, you've got your guys in the middle, you've got your dude at cornerback with Denzel Ward. It, it, it's really flowing nicely, but the interception was huge, huge. Yeah, so with, with Ward, and you mentioned it, some of the missed tackles, he's going to have trouble probably, Jeff. As you know, buddy, he's not big. He's not overwhelmingly frame-wise big. It's never going to be. Yeah. I, mean, I think people got excited with that first personal foul he drew in the first preseason game with the Giants, but it's, yeah. it's never going to be his, you know, how he makes his living now. And I and I, and and I don't want it to be it. So like I want to an, ankle bite, throw your turn your body and throw your hip into someone's ankles and bring them down. Like that's who he is. So yeah, he didn't tackle well, and that's kind of there was a conversation and on Twitter about his grade and whatnot. It, the grade was a reflection of you. You do like when you sit down to grade out a football player, 
as a coach, you're grading every single play. And like if he misses a tackle on that play, even if somebody's right behind him to clean it up and it doesn't have an effect on the play. He still missed the tackle. Yeah, that's a negative on the grading sheet. So it's like it is what it is. As long as football grading is as long as your positive plays are impact plays, you can outweigh a a 65 grading percentage if you had one forced fumble and an interception or one block. He he saved nine points. I mean – you want him to be good in coverage. You draft a guy at four overall to be good in coverage. He's one of the top five cover-graded corners this year. So, home run, man. That's exactly what you want. He makes tackles. He makes plays on running backs and in the flat. That's a bonus. That's that's icing on top of the cake. You want him to be able to cover Antonio Brown. You want him to be able to run with John Brown taking off the lid off of defense. You want him to be able to cover Amari Cooper when he's covering. That's what you draft a guy at fourth and you know fourth overall in the draft for, and that's what he's doing. So, the pick is a home run. Icing on the cake is he's a fan favorite because he's a Buckeye. It is. God, man, those first two picks are looking really pretty, my friend. Exactly, and it, it, the thing is, in their impact, I mean, they're, they're at impact positions. It's and not, they're both, you, those guys are both in the lead right now. I mean, Derwin James is playing his butt off, and, and Darius Leonard, who we talked about in the pre-draft process, is a tackling machine. But Denzel Ward has every right to argue for defensive rookie of the year a quarter of the season in, and it's pretty obvious Bake is the offensive rookie of the year right now. So, I mean, wouldn't that be something, man, to have the defensive and offensive rookie of the week – or, sorry, rookie of the year – Oh, my God. This place would blow, blow, blow up. Guys, Matt Williamson, he's the host of the Lockdown NFL Pod, um, does a great lineup. Uh, Mondays, he puts out, uh, you know, he'll, he'll talk with the host of, you know, he brings out hosts from the uh, teams from the biggest games of the weekend. Guys, I was able to be part of that Monday lineup. This is where we're at here. The Browns are trending positively. So, you know, Matt asked me to come sit down and talk about the win, which I was more than welcome to do. So, uh, you know, Matt Williamson, you know, Monday show, you get hosts from uh, the Lockdown shows, you know, talking about the you know biggest games of the day. Tuesday, you get Sage Rosenfels, former NFL quarterback, with all these rookie quarterbacks playing. And obviously, Sage, with his offensive analysis, you're going to get a lot there. You get Mike Renner on Wednesdays from PFF. You get Mike Sando from ESPN on Thursdays. Yeah, you know, Matt gives you his game picks of, you know, every game on Fridays. So Mike, uh, uh, Matt Williamson, the uh, Locked On NFL podcast, he does a fantastic job with that, guys. So go ahead and check it on out. Um, one other I want to get to. Now, Joe Schobert, whatever you ask him to do, he's like that linebacker. You know, the coverage, look, with Jared Cook, that, that was a tough spot for him because just a better athletic player and bigger than Joe is. But, you know, most of the time the coverage checks out. And, you know, John Costco said that last night. He has a good coverage grade. But a huge, huge forced fumble. There's interceptions. He blitzes well. Goes and forces a fumble on Sunday. A guy like Joe Schobert, that was a big, big play. And he shows more and more why he is a stabilizing force as the middle linebacker of this team. Yeah, he's good, man. He, he's. I've had some conversations with him about him. First he's off, just, he's just a football player. Yeah, dude, I mean, he came into the league with a reputation as an edge rusher. Yeah, he was certainly a 3-4 outside backer. Now, the lines between what a 3-4 backer does for you get kind of blurry, but um, between, you know, 3-4 and 4-3, the, the conversation there is sort of like there's there's multiple fronts run all the time in the NFL because yep. you adjust to tight ends and, like, it's not quite as defined as, well, 3-4, 4-3. But, yeah, he came in from Wisconsin as a stand-up edge outside linebacker type, and he has morphed into a really good – really good Mike backer now he's kind of just he's not gonna pop he's not Luke Keekley like he's not gonna pop every 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 Sunday but he's just steady 
He's always lining people up where they need to be lined up. He's always playing that, and I think they're asking a lot of him, man. They're they're lining him up at six yards deep a lot, uh, very often, and running him in that Tampa two middle very often, which is not easy for a Mike linebacker to do to run down the middle of the field and cover deep pass running routes. They ask him to do that often, so. Yeah, he's just he's the steady hand in the middle of a defense. He's and you will hear Greg Williams in interviews talk about how he's the mental leader of that defense. He's important to everything they're doing. Things he's important to the things that we have no clue about. No clue. Lining people up, getting the play called, calling out checks, calling out line adjustments, calling out uh, tendencies. That's what he's doing. Those things that we will never know. Just even watching Game Pass and that the people who the people who dive into Game or Game Pass and watch those replays don't even know about are the people who care a lot and really study it. So I could not be happier to have Joe Schobert, who's not he, he's a plus athlete. Like that guy is rangy, man. And if you know about his pre-draft process and some of the videos of his 360 dunks, and he, he's an athlete, man. So I'm happy. I hope that they in the offseason lock him up long term because he he's a good part of the defense. He stays healthy. Uh, everything that we want, my friend. Yeah, uh, you know, impressive, impressive player. Um, and yeah, as I'm just thumbing through Twitter here, Benjamin Albright just put the Cleveland Browns at number eight on his power rankings. So, guys, get excited. We're kind of all enjoying this. Um, one other guy we didn't get to, but just give me a couple of words here. And now that we're finally seeing him in a familiar position and where he excels, and the thing that probably... I liked most about this was Jabril Peppers getting to play where he wants to play. A huge play where you asked a little bit more of him, where it wasn't so much his comfort zone, but playing a cover two and the absolute lick on the sidelines. And this is what happens, guys. If you put guys in a comfortable position, maybe then you can ask him to expand a little bit more. Putting him out there and saying, hey, sink or swim doesn't work. Let them get their confidence built first and then maybe say, hey, can you do this for me? And you know, and you saw it from Jabril on that play on the sideline. Yeah, man, his best game in a Browns uniform probably was was a physical enforcer in a lot of cover two situations. Came up, played the edge, outside run situations. Um, was steady in the return game, did a fine job. He, he, you know, he doesn't do a great job reading returns often. But it is nice to put a guy back there who you know is going to continually bring the ball in and never have an issue catching it. He does that in the punt return game. I do believe they brought up. Uh, Hillier to, to to take care of kick return stuff, maybe even more punt return too. But they they they're certainly going to address easing the burden on him because he needs to continue to focus on defense. Where I thought he was an impact player uh, on Sunday, and he's he's fiery man. He's emotional. He's probably their defensive uh, emotional leader right there with Demarius Randall as far as guys who are outward and and vocal and yelling and hollering and challenging people physically, which is good because you know because Miles Garrett's sort of an introvert. Um, Joe Schobert is an introvert. Jamie Collins is an introvert. Yep. Kirksey's probably in that. Jabril Peppers, I'm going to be loud. You know, Denzel Ward's a quiet guy. He's an introvert. So they need some of those vocal, loud guys who who will, who will bark at the other side of the of the line of scrimmage and, and and tell people, you know, I'm here all day type of thing, man. And and you know, when he's playing well, their defense is good. Well, I think also maybe part of the thing is is maybe they're realizing how important Jabril Peppers is to the defense. So maybe taking some return duties away is going to be it's it's or maybe also a compliment. Like, look, we know what we have and what you do. 
We're not worried about that. Look, I mean, this isn't college anymore. Yeah, you were a great returner there, but you're turning into a pretty damn good safety. So we're just going to go ahead and let you be that. So it might almost be like a compliment and a pat on the back on Dribble Peppers. Look, you're becoming an integral part of this defense. We're not going to bother you with that, you know, headaches over kick returns and stuff like that anymore. Yeah, and and look, it seems that they're playing him more over Kendred, which is which is smart. I mean, I like Derek Kendred. Derek Kendred's an enforcer. He's not afraid to play, but there's a role for Derek Kendred that doesn't involve keeping Jabril, uh, Jabril Peppers off the field. 100% on that. Um, now, as we roll into the Chargers week here, uh, you know, um, Jake, we're going to want pictures of, you know, that press box. And, look, if the food's good and the layout's good, I want some pictures. I want some video of it. <laughs> Guys, if you do not know Jake's uh, credentials, he will be in the building as a working man on Sunday. Looking forward to this. But, look, uh, the Chargers are, A, they are not a slush by any means. Phillip Rivers, if you go to that class of Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, and himself, uh, one of them is still legit getting it done, and that's Phillip Rivers. The other ones are starting to look closer to the finish line. Uh, look, keep the momentum going. Um, what are you looking forward to here in this? Uh, I mean, look, obviously your first assignment doing it in this capacity, but but the game, obviously, you know, the fan is still with you inside in your heart. Mm-hmm. What are you looking forward to here? Uh, I'm to the point now where you know I, I can't get nervous anymore. And I did the I just recorded the crossover show, and I, I did predict a Browns win here because I, I'm getting to the point now where I trust this defense, and, and I trust Baker. I, I, I just I, there's just no other way to feel. I, I just trust the defense, and I trust Baker Mayfield is not going to back away from a fight. So this one is interesting, Jeff. I I think it's going to be. If the Browns are winning this game, they're winning it like 34-28. I think it's going to be higher scoring than we want to believe. Now, it's going to be like – the good thing is for me if, 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 here in Columbus and up toward Cleveland, it's been a warm beginning of the week. It's been like mid-80s. But come Sunday, it's supposed to really – like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, dip into the mid to low 50s. So it won't feel like L.A. for the Chargers visiting, which is, which is to me very important. Um, to have that AFC North type of feel in the weather and fall weather and stuff like that. Now, it won't be a huge factor, but keeping them in any level of discomfort is important. But here's where I'm at mentally with this game. If you look at this season, the quarterback who has the highest uh, passer rating against the Blitz, Phillip Rivers. He burns the Blitz, my friends. That sidearm gunslinger, he is he – is, always a step ahead of you what you were doing blitzwise if you give him opportunities if you challenge rivers to make throws in tight contested areas it's not always great for him but what he does do is if you send extra people he will pick it apart he will find those easy answers he did so last year so last year uh, keenan allen had 10 catches 110 yards and a touchdown played a lot from the slot they picked on him against linebackers. Now, Keenan Allen's one of the league's best under underrated wide receivers. Talk about routing people up. That guy's a machine. Yeah. Um, he, he's going to be in the slot, and he's going to draw some – I mean, if I'm Greg Williams, I'm really considering shadowing Denzel Ward, just considering 100%. it. 100%. A number one, this is why you drafted him in this high. A number two, if you're not sure where you're going, let this kid get experience against all the game's best. Yeah, and it's it's worth considering because he's that good, and you do not want him being covered by T.J. Carey very often. You don't want him being covered by outside linebackers when they're forced into zone situations. So he's interesting to pay attention to, obviously, because he's a flat-out stud. Um, and then, obviously, the tight ends are an issue. Last year, between Hunter Henry, who Hunter Henry is hurt, uh, but they do have Antonio Gates. But between Henry, Henry and 
Gates last year, the two went for a combined 11 catches for 120 yards. So if you recall last year, it was a breakdown. It was Josh Gordon's first game back last year after yep. a long break. The, the Browns lost 19-10. to 10. It wasn't high scoring, but the Chargers can really control the middle of the field. And if you look at where the Browns' defense is weakest, it's covering the middle of the field between the linebackers and the safeties. And that's where Rivers can be pretty effective. So if you look at who the Browns struggled against most this year, it was Derek Carr. I consider, uh, you know, Philip Rivers to be sort of the doctorate version of Derek Carr in terms of being able to see Reed Blitz get the ball out quick. And I would expect a very similar game plan from the Chargers in terms of how they operate against man-to-man with rub routes, how they operate their tight end, uh, Antonio Gates, the old season vet in the middle of the field and trying to get Keenan Allen in some different situations. And then um, it, it's just it's going to be very interesting how they control him because – I'm to the point where I, I haven't seen them have a letdown game yet, and I hate to be that guy, but I kind of feel like a letdown game is coming. So maybe that letdown game was the defense against Oakland. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just kind of cautiously feeling this one out because I do know that they're the Chargers are three and one. They've really handled everybody. They were in that game against the Rams week two, who obviously are, are you know an extremely good football team. Melvin Gordon is the real deal as a dual threat out of the backfield. They have uh, they have the young running back, uh, what's Eckler. his name, Austin Eckler, who's not getting the ball enough, but is whew, he's dangerous if he gets the ball in open space. So I think if the Browns win, it is a it is a 34-28 um, type, type of score with it, where the Chargers find the end zone four times, but the Browns find it five times or maybe the Browns find it four times and kick a couple field goals, that kind of thing. is. I don't see it as a low-scoring affair. Now, based on how my predictions of games go, it probably is like a 12-9 game again. But just <laughs> just some of what they do makes me nervous. But I don't, I don't think that the Chargers' defense is overwhelmingly intimidating by any stretch. They are missing – their big, their you know, their big pass rusher. They have Melvin Ingram, but they're missing his dynamic duo brother, uh, Joey Bosa, who is is not back. That helps because our tackles. If we had to face two really good defensive ends again, you really can't always favor chipping and sending a back to help if there are two of them. But if there's one of them, like there is with Ingram, you got a chance uh, to to fight, you know, fight him a little bit there. But uh, you know, Derwin James is having that phenomenal rookie season. I'll be very interested to see how the Browns attack him or avoid him. Uh, Casey Hayward's one of the league's best corners, but they're they're thin in the secondary outside of those two because of injuries. So it'll be interesting to see how they attack him. And they don't have a good set of linebackers, in my opinion. So it should be fun. We should see the offense. You know, the Ravens are as good as it comes covering the pass and the run. They're, they're top five defense in almost every aspect. So there should be more wiggle room. And, you know, we have a quarterback who's seen really good defenses so far. This is the type of defense that I think he could he could really do some damage with. So uh, I'm expecting both quarterbacks to, to play really well and, and, and find that somewhat high-scoring game around, like I said, 35-28, 34-28, something like that, well, if the Browns are to win. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. And Look, Baker Mayfield, he's going to – He's has the appreciation of the game, has the appreciation of football. He's going to want to go throw for throw for, with Philip Rivers. Um, the coverage that you thought uh, you talked about with uh, the two running backs who were effective in the running game, God, uh, Greg Williams. Maybe there's times to start using Jarrell Peppers in a nickel and dime linebacker role. Understand that maybe your linebackers aren't the uber athletes that maybe a guy like Peppers is. 
look, he can maybe take care of you know the the, the running the running backs in the passing game. It's something you consider in that aspect. It's something I hope to do see. Um, guys, always a pleasure having Jake on here. Um, whether you're checking out his work at the OBR or checking out his weekly piece now at cleveland.com or you're checking out Brown's Film Breakdown with everything Jake does there along with the podcast that goes along with it. Um, me and Jake were tight. I do appreciate everything he does for me as big as this is getting for him. He's really working hard. He appreciates it. Follow everything he does, guys. He's giving you stuff that you are not getting from anybody who is a everyday credentialed media person. So go ahead get on that. Guys, follow the Locked On Browns podcast on Twitter. I keep it a follow-back account. It's the best way for you guys to get in touch with me. I do get crappy DMs from time to time. I don't care. I don't care. And I will still tell you I think the other running backs should play, even though Carlos Hyde is averaging 3.5 yards per carry. I do not care. Um, Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, Guys, it's been a really fun ride. Like I said, please keep pushing the show. The the, uh, ratings, the reviews, they help. Tell your friends. Subscribe for them. Like I said, um, we're going to continue to work hard. Jake is probably the hardest working guy here covering the Cleveland Browns. I'll consider myself somewhere in that next run afterwards. But look, guys, we're trying to bring you stuff that nobody else is, and we're trying to give you our input on it. And look, if you don't like it, we get it. But it doesn't mean we're hating on anything. We're just giving you our honest opinion. I appreciate it for your time. Until we talk next time, Always, guys, let's go Browns. LGB on the LOB.